family and not just to, you see, some of us, we are enduring our relatives. <laughs> we endure our husband, we endure our children, and we hope that one day they'll be gone. And they don't go anywhere. They remain for a long time. But you see that the family that we belong to as a church, I believe that should be a good example for us to take it into our homes. Amen. Into our relationships. So if you are part of this church, then we are saying that your family is also consecrated unto God. Amen. Your family is, when we say that family consecration day, we are coming together to remind ourselves that we have been set apart for God. Amen. We have, I like the little video I saw this morning. It really excited me. Where is it? They had a. Family to me is shelter. Family to me is not just about blood. It's a place where you can learn new things, try, be successful, be unsuccessful, but still be encouraged. It is having people in my life that will impact it for a purpose. But that is what I'm saying is that the church is our family and we should learn from it how we relate in our individual families. Amen. Yeah, how we relate with our parents, how we relate with our children, how we relate with our grandparents, how we relate with our aunties and our uncles, how we relate with our siblings, how we relate with our... You know, for some of us, when we say family, it could be some friends, because there are some friends who stay closer than brothers. Do you understand? Some of us, we have friends that we trust more than, fam uh, than even blood. Do you, do you get it? That is why I like the little this thing that says it's more than blood. <laughs> Amen. It is more than blood. But when you recognize who is your family, treasure it, guard it, protect it, take care of it. Amen. And I find it so ironic that this afternoon today we are actually talking about this just for a few moments because um, uh, this weekend, Reverend dragged me somewhere. Reverend dragged me. I mean, Reverend dragged Pastor Sam, have I told you? Yeah, I, I'm telling all of you that, listen, we have, we all, we, this is why I say, all of us, our family issue. We haven't dragged me somewhere. And I went, as an obedient wife, I went. And uh, for most of that journey, it was so enjoyable. In fact, in the whole time since Friday, I have really had a nice time. But there was one particular aspect of this journey that um, I think we should address because this morning I had an encounter when I was coming to church and I said I will hold him responsible for this encounter I had. Because for many, many years I've been driving. How many of you know I've been driving for a long time? If you sat in my car before, you know how I drive and you can know that it's only God that takes us and brings us. <laughs> yeah, you must have strong faith. You must be ready for heaven. You must be ready for... And then you sit in my car and then, yeah... So, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, even if I say so myself, I'm a very good driver. Amen. Yeah. I mean, Schumacher has nothing on me. <laughs> What's the young guy's name? Hamilton has nothing on me, you know. And this morning, I was running a bit late, so my Hamilton anointing, you know, kicked in. And um, just around the, just about a street or two from here, there was a cab, and I didn't see it, and um, I took the bend as if I was on a racetrack. <laughs> so before I knew it, you know, I had just gone over the cab, and then, and because of my speed and the cab, you know, uh, my experience came in, I had to realign me and the car, 
and then we, we uh, but when I just got back on the road, of all the things that came into my head, what came into my head was, who is the cause of this? <laughs> Why has he put his head down? I would tell them, I mean, who is that? Where is this coming from? And I bind it in Jesus' name. And then as I was there, I would say, oh, God, you see how the weekend has affected you. You, you are driving so fast, you have made your mistake, you are looking for somebody else to blame. Who else, who was driving, who is in the car, who else do you want to blame? Above? Yeah, because this weekend, <laughs> yeah, your pastor took me somewhere. And for two continuous days, all I kept hearing was all the demons and evil people in the family. Your grandmother, your auntie, your sister, your guardian, the older woman. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. So as soon as I went over the cab, I was looking for my Melissa. <laughs> yeah. That is why you should always also be really careful what you give attention to consistently. I mean, I only heard this thing for less than how many hours. And look, it was already having impact. <laughs> yeah. That is why I'm happy that we have services like this, where rather than build suspicion and fear, and, you know, angst and just, you know, have a weird attitude towards family. Rather, you will generate love. And where there's even evil, the love of God will superpose itself over it. Do you understand? So that even those who have demonic thoughts, God will reach them somehow and transform their lives. Yeah, this family die, family die. It's okay. I think we have had enough of it for this season. I mean, I, I, just a few hours, I, I had really had enough of it. And, it wasn't easy for Reverend coming back. I asked him why, why, why? Yeah, and uh, he, he told me his relation, he, it was a relative, so I thought that, okay. We'll let. So after check, come and ask him how he's related to Melissa. Um, he will tell you. <laughs> but what we want to do and remind ourselves today is that God has blessed us with good family. We may not see it yet, but it is there. So my little message for us this morning or this afternoon is that the ark is in my family. Tell somebody, the ark is in my family. Tell the person with some confidence that the ark is in my family. Tell the person that the ark is in this church. Every family I belong to, the ark is there. Amen. Let's read one or two scriptures. I just want to maybe give a little explanation of what it means to have the ark in your family and why you should acknowledge it and maximize it and stand on it. We'll just read a verse here, a verse there. We'll give it and then we'll have Reverend come. I pray that you have come this morning. I don't know what is currently the state of your family. I don't know what is currently the state of your relationship with your family, your parents, your siblings, what is going on. But what I know is that God ordained this day to restore. God ordained this day to put things in order. God ordained this day to take away the spirit of fear, the spirit of death, to take away the spirit of destruction. Do you know that the devil uses us to destroy us? Yeah, the devil uses that. Most of the greatest destruction is not external, it's internal. Yeah, you even realize that most break-ins, there is information from inside that went outside. Yeah. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So we want to take care of 
the inside. And um, in case you didn't know it, I was sent to come and tell you that the ark is in your family because of you. It is there. Amen. Exodus 25 verse 10. We'll be staying in Exodus for a while. New King James NLT. The NLT says, verse 10, have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. The first line said, have the people make an ark. Amen. First Chronicles 13, verse 14, the Bible says that the ark of God remained with the family of Obedidom in his house three months and the Lord blessed the house of Obedidom, and all that he had was blessed. Amen. Tell somebody by you, the ark of God remains in my family, and the Lord has blessed my family, and all that is in my family is blessed. Amen. The first thing is that when we say the ark is in your family, what we are saying is that God and the presence of God is in your family. And if it is not there, I am instructing you today that what must be the center of your family is God and his presence. Amen. Numbers 10.33, Moses actually described the ark as the Lord. Let me read it for you. Let's read the New King James. I'll read from verse 33 to 36. It says, So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days. And the ark, the ark likes this number three a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it stayed in the house of a bedroom for three months. And then they journeyed with it for three days. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud, it means that the ark would direct you to rest, isn't it? Yeah. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was whenever the ark set out that Moses said, rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. It says that so every time when the ark was moving, Moses spoke to it. He didn't say the ark. He said what? The Lord, let the Lord rise up, O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, Moses said again, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. Amen. So when you welcome the ark into your house, it means that you are welcoming God into your home. You are welcoming the presence of God because everywhere the ark was, it was regarded as the place where the presence of God is. It's regarded as the place where God is. Make sure, I don't care what kind of home you come from, become the channel through which God appears in that house. Become the channel where God is introduced to that home because when God is there, it says that enemies will be scattered. Amen. All those who hate you will flee. And there will be rest. Amen. And another thing, when you read Exodus 10, let's go back into it. Verse 16, the Bible says, And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. And verse 21 says, You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. Amen. 
in the ark, you have the word of God. It says that the testimony that God has given us, which is his word, it is inside the ark, which means that the word of God will be the riding factor in your family. Your children will be obedient to your word of God. Husbands and wives will be obedient to the word of God. Aunties and uncles will be obedient to the word of God. Grandparents will be obedient to the word of God. The word of God will be in the house. Teach your children how to study the word of God. Have times that as a family, you share the word of God. In the Old Testament, it was one of the instructions. As you go by the way, so as you go in and as you come out, you understand? Teach your children. So I know we are busy. Life is hectic. But even husbands and wives, spend time to study the word of God. You know, a lot of families, we pray. We pray when we have trouble. We pray. We spend time in prayer. But we don't spend time studying the word of God. Because when you study the word of God as a family, then it means that the word of God you are studying, you relate it to the family. The children will say, oh, from this scripture, I'm learning how to honor mommy and daddy. Then the parents will be to also be able to learn that I shouldn't provoke my children to anger. Study the word of God. Let the word of God become prevalent in the house. A lot of us, our children know a lot more about cartoons. They know uh, that guy... With the, the yellow uh, uh, cartoon, what is it? That one, Simpsons. It's one of the worst cartoons, but a lot of children watch it. And it doesn't teach them anything at all. Yeah, you want your children, even if they're babies, to learn the word of God, get vegetables. So that by the time they're looking at the cartoon, they're being ministered to by the word of God. Yeah, Teletubbies will not bring impartation. Twinnies will not bring impartation. Bob the Builder will not bring impartation. But they watch more hours of those. And you bring them to church for 45 minutes for one hour. If you want the act to rest in your house, the word of God must rest in your house. The word of God must be the underlining thing that controls the house. That is why this weekend I followed to Melissa. Next time Reverend asks me to go to Melissa, I will call all of you and then you will beg on my behalf and say, Reverend, please let the woman set her free. We should let it go. He says that all of us, we should let it go. So we, we, how many of you know that I haven't let it go and that he will pay a big price for it daily? You know when, when you have done something and they are blackmailing you? Blackmail is for life. It's not like you, when you pay, they'll say, it, no, they wait for a season. And then they kind of say, actually, the amount you gave for this, it didn't work at all. You have to give some more. So, <laughs> yeah. When we read verse 21, it said, it says that you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. So apart from the fact that just having the ark is having God and his presence and having the ark means that the word of God is there. It also means that a family that has an ark is a family where mercy and forgiveness is part of our way of life. Yeah, you cannot sustain a good home, a good relationship. Even housemates, you cannot stay in the same house with people where you cannot, you can't show mercy and you cannot have forgiveness. Well, yeah, I'm showing mercy. I'm showing mercy. I'm showing mercy. Let mercy prevail on Melissa. Let mercy prevail. Let me. There, there, yeah, a family that has 
and knows and learns how to forgive and to show mercy is a family that stays strong for a long time. It's a family that stays strong for a long time. Because you can be strong, but you may not be strong for a long time. Because as for offenses needs be, they will come. They, you can't, I mean, you don't have to be a prophet to say that you will have issues and you will be offended. Life, by the time you are two years old, teaches you that you'll be offended. So offenses is not the issue, but letting go of the offense. Forgiving, showing mercy, letting mercy prevail is what strengthens our relationship. Listen, when you see a church like this, where we have so much fun, where we, it looks as if everybody is so joyful, the only thing that is sustaining us is that we have all learned how to let go and know how to show mercy, know how not to hold on to things. Because if we were all to hold on to what has offended or who has offended, this place will stink. And that is how some families are. Yeah, I come from a family that some of the relationships, they've been fighting since I was four, and I'm now over whatever. Yeah, it means that for more than 40 years, they have been quarreling. And they, are, they have died, and they are still quarreling. They are, they are quarreling with coffins and graves. But you see how ridiculous it sounds. But that is what happens when you are not intentional with your mercy. When you are not intentional. We spend so many hours praying and fasting and binding and wanting things to. But sometimes all we need is to let go. All we need is to show mercy. All we, all we need to do is to forgive. Because I may offend you today. But remember that tomorrow you may be the one offending me. Do you understand? So when you forgive me, you have deposited into the account of forgiveness. And you will reap it at some point. Yeah. Anywhere you see a lot of joy. Anywhere you see a lot of peace. Any relationship that you see that is progressing and growing. It is a relationship where forgiveness and mercy is practiced. It is not because the people have never been offended. That is not true. It is not because the two people who are married or whatever are so perfect. That is not true. It is because they have learned the ability to let go. They have learned the ability to forgive. They have learned it. Yeah. And that is why for some of us, when people come to us and they are going to entice us to be angry, she say, sit and get it behind me. Yeah. yeah, because some people give counsel to husbands or wives. No, you see, if you just let the matter go like that, she won't learn her lesson well. You have to hold on to it, let it be strong for a while, you know, to hang on to it. If she, otherwise, they'll think you're a weakling, they'll think you're too soft. You know, this fight, it's not yet time. We are not at that point yet. We are not at that point yet. It is bad counsel. It is bad counsel. That is the reality of it. Because the relationship you treasure is the relationship you are going to have to forgive the most. Your greatest hate is not from enemies. Your greatest hate is not from people you don't. You see, when somebody says something stupid about you that you don't know the person, you come like, really, but who is that? But when somebody, your own familiar friend, when somebody who is close to you hates you, that is why it's painful. And that is why the Bible has to instruct us to forgive. Because the kind of forgiveness we need, it's not one that can just come. It's one that needs a certain grace, yeah? Because the closer you are, the more hateful it is. Yeah. If somebody in a certain church says something about me, I really don't care. I probably would not even ask. I don't want to know. But when I am told that Valerie has said something about me, that is distraction. And I will destroy her. <laughs> tell somebody forgive. Somebody, tell somebody show mercy. Tell somebody to have a little kindness. 
have a little kindness. Yeah. Yeah. But Reverend can say I showed mercy because yesterday he ate. <laughs> he ate. Yeah. 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 And nothing in life was withheld from him, which means that he has been forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Tell somebody by you show mercy. Tell the person, forgive me, forgive me. Yeah, yeah. Don't hold on to hurts and pain. Don't hold on to it. Listen, take it from me. It brings diseases and illnesses. That is why we are separating ourselves unto God. That is why we are consecrating ourselves to God. Yeah. When you are hurt for a long time, you get physical diseases. There are a lot of cancers that are caused by unforgiveness. Yeah, a lot of hypertension and blood pressure, they are caused by unforgiveness. You are so bitter, you are so, you fume and fume and fume to the heart. Says, I, can't, I can't cope with this anymore, it's okay. Whatever, I cannot cope with it. Yeah, and the devil knows that. That is why he will always let you see what, that which is hurting you. But what about all the good that has been done to you? What about all the good? And that is what even destroys us with our relationship with God, with our relationship with our pastors, with our relationship. Because it doesn't matter how much good the pastor has done for you. The day the one wrong is done, that is the day the person becomes such a bad person. Verse 22. And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from the, about the mercy seat from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony. And I will meet with you there. And he says, I will speak with you from there about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. When the ark is in your family, it means that God is there directing affairs. That is where we seek counsel. A family that has the ark in it, it means that it seeks the counsel of God. You don't seek the counsel of unbelievers. You don't seek the counsel. Before you take a step, you seek the counsel of God. When you are taking a decision to take a specific job, you take the counsel of God. Not because the job, because do you know that for some relationships, they were destroyed because of the job. Some homes were broken because of the job. Some husbands were destroyed because they took a job and a strange woman was waiting for them. And it was a trap. But if they had sought the counsel of God, they would have known that this was not the job to take. Yeah. If you seek the counsel of God, you will know that even though this man looks perfect, he's not the man to marry. Yeah. Even this, oh, this woman, look, she's not. He says that I will meet you there and I will speak to you about everything. Which means that a family that depends on the earth there's no part of the family that we don't take it to God. Yeah. yeah. You see, I told my children, I said, if you pass an exam, it is God. It's not just because you studied. When, you are, when some evil, you know, you overcome it or you, you, are, you, are, you are delivered from it, it is God. Yeah, it is not because you are smart, you are wise, you know how to take care of yourself. Listen, there are people who have kept themselves, protected themselves, but they have still been raped. Yeah, recently I was being told that that's why you people, when you are going, when you even go to party and things, carry your own drink and drink it. Then you put it back in your bottle, bottle then you drink it. Then you put your drink back in your bottle. <laughs> yeah, then you carry your drink. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes it is in the drink that will put something strange there for you to. So it is God that delivers us. It is God that protects us. 
And that is why it is God that you, listen, sometimes it's not the choosing between good and bad. Sometimes it is choosing between good and good. Should I go to University of Leeds or should I go to University of Huddersfield? Should I, they're all good. Should I do this? Seek the counsel of God. How do you seek the counsel of God? Through his word, through prayer, through counsel from godly people. That is how you seek the counsel of God. Yeah. When you have marital issues, don't try and say that, you know, my great-grandmother always said that men are evil. That's not biblical counsel. Yeah. Fool me once. Fool me twice. What scripture is that one? Yeah. But you see, it sounds intelligent in the world system. It sounds, but in Christ, it doesn't sound, it is not right. Yeah. It's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Young lady, listen, in our great, great, great grandparents there at that time, you know, the men used to write them. But now, by the grace of God, in the 21st century, if you're a woman, stand for yourself. Never let any man control you. Don't be the kind that you are under. Listen, no, no this kind of submission, submission, submission. Exodus 25, verse 12, 15. I'm just finishing. He says that make poles from acacia wood and overlay with gold. Insert the poles into the ring at the sides of the ark to carry the ark. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings and never be removed and never remove them. What is he saying? As a family, you should never take the presence of God for granted, it can be withdrawn. It can be removed. Don't say we married in Christ, so we are always in Christ. Don't say we are because we are Christians. No, no, no. If you don't work on the presence, you don't work on establishing Christ. Christ is not just established in our homes. It just doesn't happen. And the fact that when you married initially, you used to pray, doesn't mean that 20 years down the line, that prayer will sustain you. Yeah. He said that because it means that it can be rolled away. So long as the poles are there, it can move. And that is why sometimes even our relationships and our homes are seasonal. There's a season where there's so much joy. Then there's another season where there's so much fighting. The heat goes up, then it's cold. Then it's, there are some houses that when you go, you can measure the temperature. And it will blow the scale to just go, to, it will go way, way. Yeah. I don't know about you, but sometimes you can visit a home. Nobody has to talk. You know that the pressure is not a joke. You're like, yeah. You want to just be under the radar in this. Yeah. yeah. But what we don't know is that apart from just us, we are also teaching our children. You won't understand why your children have become so rebellious or they become so quarrelsome because they learned it. Yeah. yeah. If they learn love, they show love. If they learn hate, they show hate. If they learn anger, they show anger. Whatever presence is there, that is what they take with them. And it's not something that is like it's my temperament. It's something you learn. It's something that is intentional. It's something you seek and you put in there. Yeah. Honestly, I, when I was a child, if somebody had told me that my home would be the way it is now, I would have argued with them. Yeah. Because without God, my home should always be on fire. <laughs> Don't look at me. Look at yourself. <laughs> when you look in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible says in verse 4, 
in that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. A family that stands on this knows that all their provision is from God. All their provision. Scripture is saying that the manna was in the ark. Aaron's rod was in the ark. Everything was stored in the ark. The tablets were in the ark. Everything we value must be in the ark. Everything we need is already in God. Everything we need is already in God. Tell somebody that whatever your family needs, whatever your family's needs are, God has it. I was going to talk about the ark as our military, but we don't have time, so we don't, I won't talk about it. But what I want to remind us that John 16, 16 and Romans 8 teaches us that Christ is coming, replaced the ark with Christ. Christ living, replaced the ark with the Holy Spirit. And there's no family, there's no family that is birth of God that does not have the Holy Spirit. Whether we activate it, whether we use it, that's a different matter. But everyone in Christ has the Holy Spirit. He says that I've got to go, and when I go, I will send you a comforter. I will send you a helper. And when he comes, he will show you all things. Needs be that I must go. 